Hi friends, welcome to From the Core with Carly Perkins. Together, we'll explore healing modalities that decrease anxiety and stress and learn to live from a joyful, heart-centered space. After struggling with bouts of anxiety, insomnia, stress, and burnout in my 20s, I began a journey of self-healing and discovery to attract and sustain joy. This resulted in a life filled with more resilience, ease, and flow. Now in my early 30s, I've channeled my dance and fitness teaching background into a deep desire to learn about and engage with various healing resources to continue to grow and also help others integrate them into their own lives. My mission is to keep engaging with helpful healing tools so that I can empower people to find their own personal healing within their intuition and soul connection to the natural world. See you inside the podcast. Welcome back, friends, to another episode of From the Core with Carly Perkins. I'm your host, Carly Perkins, and I'm grateful to have you here with me today as we round out this wild year of 2020. We have just a few days left. So I'm very excited for this episode today. This is going to be a brief intro because I want to get right into the episode. And I have an interview today with my youngest brother, Jesse Perkins. He's a brilliant comic, creative writer, and just a good guy. He's a romantic, sensitive uh, man who's not afraid to be vulnerable and in touch with his feelings. And I really respect that about him. He has a son in Pisces, so it comes as no surprise. But of course, he's multifaceted. And um, (laughs) so I won't go too much into his astrology, but... He's got some of that good sensitive juiciness in his natal chart, which, you know, I love and I'm all about that. And I have another brother who's also brilliant and he's living over in Sweden right now and I'm hoping to get him on the podcast at some point too. Uh, Both my brothers are just incredibly creative and wise. So, you know, they're not just smart. They're incredibly in touch with their feelings and their capacity to articulate how they feel and to tap into creative flow and they're just very wise beyond their years so I'm really proud of both of them and this episode with Jesse is great because he's a stand-up comic as I mentioned in New York Uh, he's based out of Brooklyn in New York and you know New York's incredibly locked down right now as is California and I'm in the North Bay and it's pretty locked down here right now we're sheltering in place. New York's similar. We talk about that a little bit and how the shelter in place and um you know quarantine that they've experienced all year has affected the comedy scene and performance in general and how that landscape's shifting a bit and how uh, my brother and his creative friends comic friends are finding ways to adapt and to be resilient in the process of finding new ways to reveal their comedy to the masses and we talk about how wellness and humor are interwoven and how integral comedy is to feeling well in a mind body soul capacity which I very much feel is true and I've talked about that uh, that a bit on the podcast before how tapping into joy and levity this year has been a real saving grace for me personally and I'm sure for many of us but that's been really my main pillar of finding strength this year when I felt down was you know putting on a funny show or watching um 
comedy set online, or, you know, from a favorite favorite comic of mine. And also, of course, like listening to some of my brother's jokes, he always makes me laugh with uh, great impersonations like of Paul Giamatti from Sideways and many other impersonations. So I'm really grateful to have a strong sense of humor within our family dynamic. And I know, you know, that's really special because not all families have that silliness that pervades throughout their gatherings. And we definitely have that in our family. And I'm really grateful for that because it is, it's a real glue to keep us tight and close and experiencing a lot of fun and joy. And this year we definitely need to tap into more levity because it's a heavy time. So anytime we can laugh and be silly and just, you know, forget about all the heaviness of the year politically and everything with COVID, it's it's nice and so appreciated to be able to just laugh our hearts out and just be light about life for a moment because it's a real nice break. And so I am really appreciative of comedy right now and always. So without further ado, may I introduce Jesse Perkins, a stand-up comic, writer, Pisces, great guy. I hope that you enjoy and If you enjoy this episode and other episodes that I've published, please rate and review and send over five stars. I appreciate it. And I'll see you on the other side of this episode. Take care. All right. So, Jesse. Mm-hmm. Tell us about how you got into stand-up comedy and your background and evolution to where you are at now with comedy. Well, I was obsessed with it, you know, just like to the point where it, I would it would have just been weird if I like didn't try to do it because I was like writing jokes. I remember I was like in college, like those first couple years of the JC, just like writing down every little weird thought I had, you know, and it was most of it was just like. Were you allowed to cuss? Uh, yeah. Should I say that my... There was a lot of dog <laughs> shit. There was a lot of just bad, weird... Some of it was, you know, I don't know, not bad. But I got really into, um, like, I don't know, I think it was like Pandora. I would just, like, I came across a bunch of comedians that way. Like, towards the end of high school, like, because up until that point, it was like, my idea of stand-up was like George Carlin. Mm-hmm. And so when I found people like Bill Burr, that wasn't like stuff like my dad showed me or, you know, felt like it was like my own. So I, I kind of, mm-hmm. yeah, I just became upset. I mean, it all came from being a fan of it. I didn't think like I was uniquely funny in any real way. It was just like, I wanted to be a part of that world. What was one of your earliest memories of feeling that way when you were a child? Like funny? Like what kind of sparked that? Yeah, like feeling made, like you wanted to make people laugh. Made and... my best friend piss himself on the swings. <laughs> I did. Really? In kindergarten. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Nathan Hermolic. <laughs> what a guy. Michael Temple. He had to change his name after I made it all over himself. What did, do you remember what you said to incite no. such No, it was passion. pretty good. I killed. It was definitely. <laughs> and yeah, I remember, I think like maybe they didn't let us hang out as much after that. Because yeah. they're like, he's got to, you know, he can't be doing this. He only has so many cares of undies. He was a little, you know, he was just. 
kind of a special little guy anyway. Yeah. But yeah, that's, I don't know. I just, I definitely remember like, this is influenced by my dad, but like, cause he did voices. I mean, you're, yeah, he's also your right. dad. So I don't know why I'm saying my dad. I was like, are we supposed to my dad like, and we're your not dad. siblings? <laughs> Frank did voices. Frank Perkins. My Frank, Frank Perkins. Perkins. Yeah. He did like, you know, he, Legend. growing up, he always did like Looney Tunes and you know, all that stuff. And I think I liked doing impressions too. So I would do like those old jerky boys, like, oh my God, you know, stuff yeah, like that. I would do that at like baseball practice. And I remember that kind of feeling like a set of, um, and there's something about being in a, a big group of people too. Like we'd be like stretching in the outfield and just, just saying something to kind of break the tension. It was always something I liked doing, but I didn't think of myself as like a class clown or anything. I don't know. I always feel like, I never really relate to that when you hear about like comedians who were like class clown or like super loud. Like I was like a funny person amongst my friends. But other than that, I was also like at times like super serious too. But I think a lot of comedy comes from being like kind of, uh, you know, it's like earnestness to me is like funny sometimes, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like some of the best comedians, at least from my perspective, they, it seems like they're not necessarily the typical class clown right. like they're more of like an understated right or comic in the like classroom growing up like they're just like really smart and like observant really observant watchful yeah well that's the thing is like i i do think that most comedians are good like good comedians are like pretty observant because you kind of have to be and i i feel like that lends itself to being sometimes a little quieter because you're just paying attention to everything mm-hmm. if you're always talking over people or just talking in general you're not really like watching as much I feel like yeah you're gonna miss a lot that way yeah definitely oh, yeah. so tell me what are some of the habits you've cultivated in your life to feel mentally and physically prepared for comedy shows and to also feel inspired when you write jokes mm-hmm. well I would say because that's kind of like a two-pronged thing mm-hmm. with the inspiration again it always comes from like being like a fan of it you know like mm-hmm. It's because I know some comics that kind of act like they don't watch. They act like the more they've done stand up, like they don't watch. Or maybe they're being honest. They're like, don't watch comedy as much. Like, it's easy for people to become like jaded about stand up. Like, a lot of comics will say like they hate stand up comedy because hmm. they'll just be like, I'm always around it. You know, hmm. I've never stopped liking it. I love it. And I wouldn't know how to do it if I wasn't like, you know, actively still. I think it's important to watch what other people are doing. You know, it's like, right. it's like, it's, you know, you don't hear writers say like, I don't read. Yeah. That would be bizarre. They go hand in hand. Yeah. You got to like learn from people who know what they're doing. So that's always how I get inspiration. A lot of the times is like just watching what I find to be funny stand up because it's easy to become detached from what you think is funny. You have to like kind of remember that sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. I think sometimes like you, you see comics who have, you, you can tell they're just like a little detached from their, their jokes. Mm. And a lot of people think it's cause, Oh, you need to be like personal. It's not like you need to be personal, but you need to be tuned into what you think is funny and embody it and really, yeah. really commit to it. Probably. It's cause it's hard. It's really hard. So a lot of people start, the more they do it, they start to get away from the initially, what they initially thought was funny and they start pandering because they find mm. out, the more you do it, you find out, oh, this joke will work for these types of people. Mm. Mm-hmm. But the more you think about that, you're kind of then not really 
you kind of falling out of, again, not being in tune with what you find to be funny. That's kind of the thing you have to begin with. And then you kind of lose that the more you do it. When you hear but people finding their voice, I think that's the thing you recapture. You know, you kind of lose it. You have it to begin with, you lose it, and then you got to capture it again. Mm-hmm. You know, but you always kind of have it. I, I mean, at least, I don't know. But I would say for the inspiration, that's how I would answer that. And I would say, I don't know, mentally, I don't know, like exercise, all, you know, all the things that try to stay, try to stay a tight little guy. <laughs> yeah. How do you get amped up before tight. a show? Like to get in like, you know, like I game would, mode, basically. I would say, I mean, music's a big thing, mm-hmm. but not amp up. You, I don't know. For me, stand-up comics aren't cool. You're not, anytime I start thinking cool. I'm cool, <laughs> yeah, but it's like, that's so against what comedy is at the end of the day, for yeah. me at least, like, any moment I think I'm start, like, I'm like, oh, I'm like, cool, I look cool up there, I'm, oh, this is cool, it's yeah. like, you need to stay humble, no, <laughs> yeah, and it's also just like, it's, you gotta be able to obviously still realize that you're kind of full of shit, yeah, you know, and, and so, the type of music, I really like, like, listening to anything that makes me feel whimsical, Mm-hmm. You know, like everywhere by Fleetwood Mac. That's, <laughs> that's like, a great jam. That's like the shit. Because I think yeah. stand up at its best feels like it doesn't feel like you're a rock star. It feels like you're Hugh Grant giving a speech. You know what I mean? <laughs> you feel like you're just giving like a whimsical it's best vulnerable. speech. Yeah, and it yeah. feels like I think you know it's like it feels charming. I like I don't know I like whimsy. Yeah. I like that yeah. stuff. That, totally. You know, it's just as important as being funny to me. Yeah. As being a charming British man. <laughs> that resonates. Yeah. Big Hugh Grant fan. <laughs> How important do you think humor is to our overall wellness? Like in a mind, body, soul kind of a way. I think it's... I What I think is the most... When it comes to that... It, for me, like... Because um, I kind of found... Again, like those stand-up comics that I really came to like, I found in like a pretty dark moment in my life. Like I had a, a surgery where I was sick for a while, and it more than anything because it's it's it lifted my spirit for sure. So the humor part, mm-hmm. but it's also like jokes. There's something about jokes when they click mm-hmm. that makes the world make sense. Yeah, definitely. you know what I mean. So it's like not only do I rely on my favorite comics to make me laugh, but I. I rely on them to make sense of the world you Mm -hmm. know there's certain comics where something happens I want to know what they have to say about it because I like their thinking it's like the thought processes behind comedy give you know it just kind of again makes the world make a little sense and that always gave me peace you know seeing the structure of a joke it's like a little puzzle and I think that's a really like can be a helpful thing for anyone's brain you know Mm -hmm. being able to like uh, pick up on patterns. There's all these little, you know, I always love that. Definitely. I think also just the reality too of like that humor It's because it's not just obviously humor. That's like the easy answer is like humor making people happy, but it's not just that, you know, it's not just making people happy and laugh. It's like, humor in the dark moments Mm -hmm. you know like the being able to again like in a lot of ways I do feel like comedy saved my life to a certain extent like as dramatic as that sounds and like 
even like get like I feel like douche chills right now. <laughs> even saying that because it feels like yeah, it feels true, true though. Yeah, it's true. And I really feel like I would like to just be a part of that thing for somebody else. You know what I mean? Like yeah. being able to, even if it's just one person, it would be fun to like you know, get I'm sh- yeah. levity in dark situations. I think comedy's been a real lifeline for people this year mm-hmm. and all the, you know, tribulations we faced. To be able to laugh and find humor in the darkest moments has been a real saving grace. Yeah. I'm excited for, I think people are going to be really ready to come out and see live comedy. I think this this summer in New York's going to be insane. Yeah, what's the state of New York right now with, you know, comedy, but just in, in general with, they you know, like some theaters. stuff up for a little bit and then, uh, but, you know, and then they shut it back down and, but, you know, it'll be back. People just got to wait it out. You know, as long as certain places are able to stay open in terms of stay alive. But I think once this, like, you know, if things can get back to normal in the next few months, like this summer is going to, I'm excited for that. I think there's a good... You know, there's a good future for all that stuff. I think people are looking to laugh and looking to, you know, if you, how crazy it, if you can't throughout all of we've been through this whole year, if you can't like laugh, like, well, what else do you have? I mean, mm-hmm. like, you know, like if you're still like the couple shows I've done, I do feel like people are a little less likely to get mad at a joke. Cause it's like, who has yeah. time to get mad at a joke right. these it days? Puts things into perspective. Yeah. Hopefully it opens people up more to. Yeah. People don't receiving it you know yeah people don't have to like make up bullshit to be mad about now because it's real everybody's dealing with like real things yeah definitely do you think this time has opened up like a window of opportunity to for you and your comic friends to try out different types of you know um like streaming your content like virtually or just like being more you know creative about the way that you put out your information into the public your comedy well i'm somebody who basically didn't take social media seriously <laughs> leading up to this and boy do I feel <laughs> silly because yeah I mean it's just like you have it's really proved that you have to like be on Instagram and have you know podcasts like this is like helpful you know and done some of that stuff and I like I kind of still feel like I haven't found the way that I want to do something through social media you know like I don't want to just do what I see, I'd like to do something that feels unique to me, at least, or what I think is good. Yeah. You know, I've done a little bit of podcasting in the past, but I have never f- felt like it was something that I really was. It's hard too because podcasting is so free form, mm-hmm. and so much of stand up comedy is like, I mean, you're really like, you know, uh, trying to spending hours of doing the same material over and over again trying to get it right trying to get it polished right and so it feels weird putting something out there that's not polished Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. it's hard for me to not be like judgmental of it and I just like don't think that I don't know again like the the ways in which I hold myself back I don't think I'm like on a podcast sometimes like the most interesting person to hear talk you know like those little voices you get in your head of like yeah, like imposter syndrome. So, but yeah, it's definitely forced comics to be more, you know, find other venues, uh, other ways to express themselves outside of stand-up comedy. Because, I mean, there's no, you know, doesn't really, stand-up comedy doesn't really exist right now. Mm-hmm. You know, it just doesn't. 
That's fine. I'll come back. Yeah, I feel like I'm seeing more, like, Whitney Cummings has little clips, but they're, like, in regards to her podcast on her feed. But, yeah, I don't... I'm not seeing as much content, but it's just not the same when it's virtual as opposed to, you know, being in there in person. Right. Because, as you mentioned one time, there, you know, when you're doing a virtual stand-up show, there's a delay, possibly, or it's just, like, you could get cut out, and it's not going to be as clean as it would be as seeing it in person, and right. it's just not as magical yeah. as seeing it in person. So, have you experienced any imposter syndrome since you started doing comedy? Oh, like, definitely. feeling like you're not, like, feeling like a phony, or just, like, comparing yourself in your mind? Like, yeah. how do you handle that, and how do you combat I that always, to, like, move forward? I always feel like a phony. Always. I, especially now, it's like, you know, even just like calling myself a comic, I haven't I've done it twice and like, because I couldn't really, I mean, you know, there's some ways you could do like Zoom shows, but the reality is I've done stand-up like twice in nine months because of the pandemic and all that. And mm-hmm. I feel gross every time I say I'm a stand-up comic because I don't feel like I am. You know, we do this shit every night. You know, if you're taking it seriously, you're doing it every night. So even not doing it for a week, mm-hmm. you get rusty. So not doing it for like months at a time, it's like, yeah, you're not... You know, I, when I did, I did a Zoom show last week and it was, it just felt good to feel like a comic again. Yeah. Of just being like, I woke up that next morning, like, okay, I feel like, I don't feel like as, as much of a fraud saying I'm a comic because it's, you know, just being a part of that world again, you know, even just seeing comics, other comics again, makes me feel more connected to it. But I do get that imposter syndrome a lot, you know. You know, um, but you got to fight that stuff too. Cause a lot of that can, you know, like you said, comparing and hard not to, you know, a lot of that's just going to happen. But, um, yeah, I mean, but at the same time, you got to kind of, like I said earlier, you kind of do have to be aware of the fact that, yeah, in some ways you are kind of dishonest with yourself and then bring that to light and try to like pinpoint it and not get rid of it, but just you know, again, it, this comedy is great for uh, self-deprecating, you know, shitting on yourself. And I think that's an important thing that all, all comics have to do is like, you know, yeah, be, be aware of how full of shit you are. Mm-hmm. I think all those like my favorite musicians, people like those people that you think of, oh, this guy doesn't give a fuck. Like Tom Waits or like Charles yeah. Bukowski or those guys. Like, yeah. I think they are so aware of how full of shit they are. Right, right. It comes through. Yeah, yeah, that Mm self-awareness, I think, is so important. And not trying to down yourself in any, like, over-the-top way, but, yeah, I mean, be okay with looking at yourself in the mirror and being like, what the fuck are you even talking about? It's good that every (laughs) now and then be like, what the fuck, you just, even now, I'm just fucking rambling, I'm just just saying, just pretending I'm doing my WTF Mark Maron interview, (laughs) practicing for Hey, whatever works. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but it's nice to visualize the possibilities, too, and, and put ourselves in the shoes, I think, sometimes of, like, famous people we admire so that we can, you yeah. know, yeah, like, move forward and aspire to go to the next level in whatever yeah. craft we're choosing to pursue. Yeah, and also, I don't know if it's really related to what you just said, but, like, I don't know, I thought of it when you just said kind of not pretending, but, you know, taking cues from the people you look up to and just kind yeah. of, yeah. Not faking it till you make it, because that's kind of a hokey saying, but there's a little truth to that of, you know, like, with anything, like, you think, like, with stand-up comedy, you think, like, 
you are going to one day, because you've been doing it long enough, all of a sudden you're officially a stand-up comic. It's like, there's no badge. Mm-hmm. You know, you're just, you just are. You just have to be it. Yeah. Be a, you know, if you want to be a professional, just start acting like a professional. Yeah. You know, or yeah. just, you know, again, nobody, it's like growing up, you realize that when you turn 18, nobody goes, you're an adult now. Like you are yeah. legally, but like, it doesn't really mean anything. You just start acting like a grown person. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. And then Joe Rogan has that great bit where he's talking about that's just, you know, like one day you're 25 and the bad boy calls you sir and you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> that's I'm, so true. I'm like an adult? We're fucked. And it's so true. <laughs> yeah. And then one day you just stop getting carded for alcohol. Yeah, that's the like, state you, I'm in now, which is always really sure shocking since like, I feel I mean, like I look young. <laughs> This is just sad. And I just force it on them. <laughs> Look at it. Yeah, they go, no, you're fine. You're, <laughs> you're like, fine, no, lady. What? You're scaring us. You sure? You don't want to call security? What? You fucking, you have an accident? You old bag? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they kick me out. You forget your pills? <laughs> Every time. Yeah. So, which comedians right now are inspiring you that you're mm. just really like jazzed on and... Uh, any like also like shows that are going mm. on right now or podcasts that you've found inspiration from? Hmm. I would say, um, like I said, watching a lot of Hugh Grant movies. No, <laughs> I, uh, but uh, in honesty, but he, but I would say it's stand up comics. Um, you know, I love because I, I, I kind of want to go outside of, you know, the obvious, like we all love Chappelle, you know, mm-hmm. All those guys. There's a, there's just a lot of really good comics, so that, um, you know, I constantly go back to. There's a guy named Drew Michael that I like a lot. Um, he's just like, I don't know. There's just like honesty in what he does. And again, not to sound like hokey, but he just he. I like it when people can, again, like not only get laughs but do it being earnest. Yeah. I love absurd humor, but mm-hmm. what really kind of wows me is when a comic can like, it feels like they believe what they're saying a little bit, you know, that they're not just yeah. again detached from it and they're just, you know, it's easy for comedy to just start feeling like this just group of tricks, you know, like, you know, all your jokes are like these little cute, you know, misdirections and there's a place for that and I'm not shitting on that. It's just great. I love that too, but. I like it when there's uh, a clear, he, he's, a, he's very good at just uh, having a distinct point of view and I think that's an important thing. When I feel, when I like what the jokes I'm doing, it's because I feel like I have a point of view and I'm asserting it. Mm-hmm. And it's, it makes it so that those jokes, you know, when your jokes are just, again, like these things you're detached from, they get it's so hard to keep doing those jokes because you just get, they get old quick. But when it's stuff where you're actually connected to it, and you feel like it is your point of view, then it doesn't ever feel like it's... I mean, maybe years and years of doing it, but it, those jokes are fun to do because you just, like, just feel like you're... You know, like, I have this joke I've been working on where, like... Um, it's just the idea that, like, if you're in love, you're just, like, a loser. And that's <laughs> fine. But stop trying to be cool. You're not cool. Yeah, like, yeah. you're... You are, it's like... Human and... You know, codependence, to a certain extent, is okay. Like, just be... You're bad at doing shit alone now. Yeah. You know, because you're not <laughs> used to it. it. You're yeah. used to doing shit with two people. Yeah. Now, you know, I have like a... So I, I, 
but stuff like that. It's like a really fun thing to me to be able to do a joke about that because it's something I actually feel and it feels honest and yeah. again, I feel like I have a point of view within it. That stuff's really fun. So like the comic you just mentioned and other comedians mm-hmm. that you like who embody that, do you think it's just a big part of it is that they're being totally authentic? Like they're showing their unique self yeah, I and, think, and total embodiment of that? Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, an authenticity and, and also, um, yeah, again, they're, they're, they're able to pinpoint um, they, the way that they feel about certain things. And I think it can help to also if you, um, I don't know, it just helps to, I think, figure out what your point of view is on things, you know, not being mm-hmm. so passive in life where yeah. I, I think it's a good tool to like, even if it's, you say you're not into the news, the helpful thing for comedians, I think, with paying attention to things in the world is, even if you're not going to talk about it on stage, just that practice of having an opinion, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I think that's Conviction. helpful. Yeah, yeah, it's helpful for comics and writers and creative people in general to like have, again, a point of view. Don't be the person who's always just like, yeah, whatever. No, like, right. even if it's the wrong one, at least just yeah. fucking just go, you know, commit. Mm-hmm. to believing in something. You know yeah, I, mean? I find that really attractive too, just in general with people and anyone I follow, you know, their work or just friends. It's, I really, yeah, I think that's attractive and I respond well to that, you know, yeah. energy of someone really having conviction, conviction, but also a level of detachment too to certain things where they can like be flexible. But right. like just be really like, yeah, like I guess it's passion and authenticity. Yeah, being reasonable like, really. too is obviously important, not yeah. being so stuck in what your point of view is, but least have one try yeah. to have one try. whenever you yeah. can you know don't again because then it's just yeah i think it's just a good exercise for people's brains and, you know it's you know it's a good it's a good thing to practice mm-hmm. yeah know who you are know what you stand for and what you won't stand for and have you know boundaries and awareness it's important yeah. i think this has been a year of 2020 has really been a year of being at least for me personally, and maybe for you too, and other friends of ours, I've seen it um, happening all around, but just people really finding their authentic voice and no longer willing to accept what is not in authentic alignment for their lives, you know, because we've been hunkered down in our homes more. And so we're face to face with what's working and what's not working. And so we're not willing to just go along with the status quo anymore in a lot Mm -hmm. of regards. I think that's been happening on a widespread level and it's been nice that's been a silver lining in this difficult year because it's like, we're not, a lot of us aren't pretending anymore because we, we know that the cost is too high. Yeah. Have you felt that? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I definitely, like we were talking about earlier with, uh, the audiences now. I mean, again, I don't have a great gauge on it, but it just seems like the couple shows I've done during the pandemic that people, I don't want to use the word sensitive because I always, always hated that when people talk about like PC or non PC of like, oh, people are so sensitive now. It's Mm -hmm. as if that's the problem Mm -hmm. is that the world has too much sensitivity or compassion. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) what a crazy thing to argue against. Like you, you're saying people are too sensitive. It seems like kind of the opposite sometimes. Like attached to ego maybe it's a better way of saying it. each other in the throat out there. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that's the 
Because I don't have a problem, if, you know, if I tell a joke and somebody has gets hurt by it, I don't want them to be hurt by it, but they're allowed to feel that way. Right, if right. they actually feel that way. The problem, I think, is not that people are too sensitive. I think the problem is, is like the fake outrage. When people yeah. are being outraged to get attention. Mm-hmm, where mm-hmm. You can tell, like, are you really hurt by this? Mm-hmm. Or you just want to, like, express your bullshit. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. if you are hurt, though, you're completely allowed to feel that way. You know? Yeah, but sometimes you can tell, like you said, when someone's being... I just don't like it if it's fake. about fake. it. Yeah. I don't, but again, I, I think... I hate it when comics like are talking about like the PC thing and like talking against it and saying that like people are too sensitive. I think that's like the sensitivity is a good thing. Yeah. We should all be sensitive. That's stigma, further stigmatizing sensitivity. I think it's really, I mean, my take is that it's more of an ego attachment. Like if someone's, you know, if there's outrage over something seemingly small and someone's affected by it more often, it's not like that they're too sensitive. It's that their ego's flaring up. And so they're responding to that. Yeah, I feeling. think, that, and that's something, the sensitivity is such a thing I look up to, you know, with, with people, like, mm-hmm. some people's, it's one of the reasons why I love actors, you know, because, yeah. like, I was watching an interview with Julianne Moore, and, like, she was talking about something that would make most of us emotional, but she was able to so quickly just, you could tell if she felt it with everything, you know, mm. she's so in tune with her mm. feelings. Yeah. That's amazing. That it's like, yeah, it's like breathtaking to watch somebody like that's so attached to that or aware of it. And I think again, like it's such a strange thing to like say people are being too sensitive. Like that's something you have to like protect mm-hmm. is your sensitivity. Cause it's so easy to become desensitized and just, right. Yeah, we need more sensitivity. I think more empathy, more sensitivity. You just start stop feeling. You're just like, oh, we've seen uh, politically and societally what happens when people become out of touch with, you know, compassion and empathy. Uh, Are there any? So going back really quick to like TV shows or podcasts, are there any specific shows you recommend or podcasts that people should Mm -hmm. check out that are really? I mean, I, I like know. probably the podcasts that most people like, you know, like I the WTF or I, mm-hmm. I've, I've never been super loyal to any specific podcast. I've always done this thing where I find out about somebody I really like, whether it's a musician, mm-hmm. a comic, an actor, director, and then I'll do this thing where I'll just watch or I'll listen to 50 of basically yeah. them giving the same interview. <laughs> yeah, on different I do podcasts that too. Cause I'm I do like, that too. maybe there's something I'll miss. Yeah. You know, like Edward Norton will go on Rogan and then I'll listen to him on WTF. Well, you get into someone and you want to know all about them. Yeah. Yeah, So (laughs) I've never been, but yeah, like, you know, all the big podcasts and I think shows, uh, um, I would say, you know, just watch Ozark. That's just like great white trash. It's Mm -hmm. always fun. Mm -hmm. So, you know, people getting, people getting shot, you know, all that stuff. But yeah, I mean... I, and then again, still like just uh, uh, still try to listen to a decent amount of comedy, especially when I start becoming out of touch with what I think is funny. It's always good to tune back in and figure it out. So, what are some other ways that you get back into touch with feeling funny and in alignment with yourself as a comic? Well, being, right now? I would say it's so important to try to do stuff outside of what you know, like outside of comedy, mm-hmm. being in relationships being in friendships, you know, having hobbies or things you like to do that aren't comedy related. Like I see so many comics where they, cause you are doing it every night. Some guys do it four times a night. 
especially in New York City. Yeah, it's amazing. I don't guys know how they get do up that. like thirty times a week. Like it's really crazy. But some people, you can tell they really they don't really have a life outside of comedy, and and yeah, they're committed. But it's like, what are you talking about then on mm-hmm. stage? Like, yeah, you have to have you have life to, experience. To or else it just gets weird, and you're just yeah. talking. You're up there talking about like ninjas and shit. And you're yeah, just like, if you talk to it's a not relatable. Person, <laughs> fucking, uh, this is a lot of just weirdos. Oh, that's weird though. A lot of weirdos. That and, would weird me out. I would not be able to relate to. That yeah, kind of. You just... know, and not to shit on a ninja joke. There's a lot of good ones, but like, <laughs> you would have to have a life. Yeah. Outside of comedy, and I think, um, I am better at comedy when I'm in love or if I'm in good friendships that I'm, you know, passionate about and just. You know, being around people like you, who I like to make laugh, you know, those are things that kind of help me get back in tune with what I think is funny. Yeah, definitely. So do you have any advice for people to, like, quickly tap into joy and levity right now during COVID if they're experiencing some dark times? Like, what what is one piece of advice you can offer for people to just tap into their sense of humor? And have like a sort of escape or like an embracing joy in a, in a moment of darkness. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think that, I think a big part is, um, you know, it is kind of picking back, piggybacking off of what I just said. But if you can, trying to, you know, unless you're somebody who really hates being around people, I think being social with people you actually really like mm-hmm. and respect and surrounding mm-hmm. yourself with good people. I don't see any other way that really help has helped me more mm-hmm. than being in a healthy relationship or just having friends that you really care about and doing everything you can to be there for those people and then have them there for you when you need them. And I think to think that you're going to get through a time like this alone is kind of crazy. Right. It's a yeah. really hard thing to like, that's a really hard task to give yourself. It's like, do this with the other people. Mm-hmm. you know get help from other people you know mm-hmm. I think it seems like that's a, a strength for successful people is that they're able to um, surround themselves with really good people that's I feel like a, a pattern that you see with successful people in any realm even non-artistically or whatever is just they're really good at finding the people that they want to be around and and cultivating those relationships so mm-hmm. I would say that's something that people can do. Reach out to, not friendships that feel like a drain, but friends yeah. that you miss, that you like, yeah, meet up with them if you can. Maybe you can't because it's like right now it's hard, but talk to them on the phone. Yeah. You know, don't try to do it alone. Mm-hmm. It's just not really going to, most people, it's not going to work. Right. Yeah, and I think sometimes we undervalue. Everyone's different. Some people are more introverted or extroverted, but I think mm-hmm. we all can, like, find value in connecting with people and just different perspectives. And sometimes I undervalue like that connection, how important it is to me because I, I, I'm an intro extrovert. So like, I do like being alone and writing, but like, I really need that. I don't, you might feel this way too, but I really need that connection with friends and family and Mm -hmm. people who light me up because that, yeah, it makes you feel whole and inspired. And it like, if it's a good relationship, it's a win-win for both sides Mm -hmm. and it gives a lot of like, life force to you and I think yeah being isolated throughout this year really like underscores that more and how face-to-face connection is really valuable yeah there's this great old anecdote about friendship where a guy falls into a hole 
and people are walking by and uh, like some kind of guy who's in like a military outfit walks by and he's like, sir, uh, you know, you're a soldier, please help me get out of this hole. And he's like, oh, I'll, the soldier sees him down there and he's like, oh, I'll go get my uh, platoon is over down the street. I'll go get them and we'll get you help. And he's freaking out because he's still in the hole. The guy walks away and then a priest walks by and he says, father, please help me get out of the hole. And the father does a Hail Mary and says it's <laughs> in God's hands. Mm-hmm. He walks away and then the guy's friend walks by and he goes, Mike, I'm in the hole. Help me get out. <laughs> and without thinking about it, Mike just jumps into the hole. Aww. And he goes, what are you, you idiot? What the fuck are you doing? You're supposed to go get me help. Get me out of this hole. And he's like, no, I've been down here before and I know how to get out. Oh, I love that. Yeah. That's so sweet. That's very true. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely feel that way. That's great. Wait, what? <laughs> Sorry. Jesus. What the fuck did you put in that tea? Okay, redo. Fucking mushroom. <laughs> All right, let. Okay. All right, that was great. So let's jump into some rapid fire questions. So whatever first comes to mind, go ahead and say that. Mm-hmm. So to kick it off, what is your favorite food? Uh, dumplings. Anything with anything with dough, just dough wrapped around <laughs> meat is so good. It's yes, my favorite. I agree. The last song you listened to and sang along with. Oh, in spite of ourselves, it's a great song. That's well, I was playing it for for mom and dad because uh, Lauren got me this this again. Gross, gross. Being in a loving relationship is disgusting. <laughs> she got me this disgusting. poster. We love this song, "In Spite of Ourselves" by John Prime. She gave me this poster with like the the lyrics of the song, shaped um. like a guitar. It's a funny song. People should check it out. If you know John Prine passed away this year, but he's that's he's right. Great. You guys are too cute. Favorite comedy Cut club? <laughs> you gotta that out. Okay. You guys are disgusting, and I yeah. hate you. <laughs> no, I you're fat. Like you're tacky, and I hate you. Yeah. Favorite comedy club that you've been to? Mm. Yeah, the Comedy Cellar. That's hard to beat. In New York. Yeah. Um, favorite thing about New York City? Mm. I would say access. You feel like you have access to everything. Not now, but when things are normal, you know? Mm-hmm. You, I love that there's like a deli everywhere, you know? You can always, there's always some 24-hour place you could get pizza. Or, it's, like, it's like having, Again, you feel like you have access to everything. No matter what you want to do with your career, you feel like there's a path in New York City. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have diff- access to all kinds of different people, too. Yeah. Different points of view. Which gives you a lot of access, you know. That's why people come here, come there from all over, I think, is because you feel like you have, um, you can find, find your way out there. And it's hard, but it's true, though. You can, there's a lot of different things you can do there. Yeah. A different dumpling for every day of the week. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if you could trade places with one person for a day, who would you choose? Hmm. Dead or alive? Anyone. I just want to die. <laughs> Any dead person, I want to switch with them. <laughs> because that seems warm. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I would say... Uh, 
would say, I don't know, somebody I would want to switch with. Just for a day, try try on their life. Maybe Michelle Obama, get my, my back blown out <laughs> by Barrio. Dude, me too. <laughs> yeah, that's not bad. She's also pretty cool. Yeah. Three uh, out of five I, people in his family feel that way. I, how about that? The Obama's dog. I would love to switch spots with them. That seems like, yeah. you know, any 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 dog in like a generally well-to-do family seems like a pretty good life, you know? Yeah, Trump doesn't have a dog. It's yeah. weird, right? You ever have somebody like, somebody you want to be touched by which pets you? Mm-hmm. It feels good to be pet. Yeah, it does. Feels I would amazing. love for somebody to just like I'm fucking. I know, love my, having my head scratched. My bald ass head. Just oh, that's the me best. Handled. Yeah. Get me that's into the, the jowls. <laughs> yeah. I'm behind the ears. Oh my leg. god. Yeah, your dick's always. We're all just a bunch cool. of animals. <laughs> it's just cool to have your dick out all the time. <laughs> just yeah. Waving it around. <laughs> we all just want to be free dogs. Yeah. What's one word that describes wellness to you? I would say, uh, yeah, just some feeling of peace, you know, slowing things down a little bit, making it a little bit more quiet. Um, that's my idea. Whatever gets you there for me, it's reading a lot, but, um, just quieting things down a little bit and getting some peace. When you're on stage doing comedy, does time slow down? Um, things actually... I mean, hopefully they do. That's like when you're in the, I think when you're in the present, they kind of slow down a little bit, but when you're not, it goes the opposite way and you're yeah. talking too fast and you're fucking sweating and shit. Your face is all red. You look gross. That sounds terrible. It's my nightmare. Shit. Your face is all hot and shit. Oh God. And maybe you're somebody who already has rosacea. You know, gross. Um, so yeah, I would say in the good moments, it definitely slows down. It's like with sports, you always hear about that is the game mm-hmm. slows down for certain people because they're so present. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. Well, great. It was wonderful having you on the podcast. It was really Thank you for joining just me. a lifelong goal <laughs> for me to be here. Your big sister. Yeah. yeah, this makes sense. I always heard you talking in your room to yourself. Uh-huh. <laughs> Growing up, we all thought you were schizo. <laughs> we thought you were just training to have a podcast. <laughs> I had to slam the door and go in my room yeah. and just talk to my aunt, my stuffed animals because no one would listen to me anymore. Fucking door. <laughs> so where can people find you and your work? Uh, Jesse Perkins underscore on Instagram and Twitter. That's where I post like jokes and stuff and hopefully keep putting stuff out that make people laugh more. You know, that's, that's the two places that people can find me. Nice. Well, so um, is there anything that you're working on right now? Yeah, that. just writing a bunch and trying to come up with new material and yeah. just finding a place where I can try it out so maybe Zoom shows are the way to go right now. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Well, it was great sitting down with you and I appreciate you. All right. This is fucking <laughs> Thank funny. you. Where's my <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this fun episode with my brother, Jesse. And I'm looking forward to more upcoming interviews with wellness experts and creative souls. If you enjoyed this episode, um, again, go ahead and give a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. 
and follow me and hang out with me over on Patreon. I'm at patreon.com forward slash Carly Perkins. I have a few different tiers and a bunch of different offerings of my different wellness tips. I'm trained in a variety of healing modalities, and so I offer some For example, um, guided meditations I've created, you'll have a few of those sent to you that are exclusive to Patreon. And I'll also offer wellness resources and webinars to aid you in your journey to self-heal. May you have a love-filled remainder of 2020 and enjoy rest and relaxation and family time, whether it's together or apart in whatever way you can find togetherness, even if it's within yourself, which is the most important kind of togetherness to start with. May you have a relaxing and inspired, creative, joyful beginning of 2021. See you soon, and as always, be well.